Hey everybody, you are listening to Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I am your host, Doug Robertson, and today we are going to preview Tuesday's Game 2 MLS Playoff Series between Atlanta United and Columbus. The crew won Game 1 2-0 last week at Lower.com Field, so it's a do-or-die or stay alive or whatever cliche jargon you want to use for Atlanta United. If it doesn't win tomorrow at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, it's season is done. In this podcast, you're going to hear from manager Gonzalo Pineda, players Jay Fortune and Tiago Almada, and I'm going to answer your questions about the MLS team. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And if this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Most of you who listen to this podcast know at this point, when I'm previewing a game, I'll go into some numbers and we'll talk about goals and expected goals and all that. But really, none of that matters anymore. This is Atlanta United has to win. It has to defeat an opponent that it has not yet beaten this season. It has to defeat an opponent that, frankly, has mostly dominated this series this year. It won its first game against Atlanta United 6-1. to one way earlier in the season when both teams were missing several key players because of the FIFA window and international call-ups. They came back near the end of the season, 1-1 draw at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That one goal for Atlanta United was scored pretty much in the final seconds of Miles Robinson header. The The first half was statistically decent for Atlanta United, but there were still several last-ditch tackles that the team had to make to stop Columbus from getting in one-on-one. And then, of course, last week, in a, a beautifully cold Ohio night, Columbus won two to nothing. Atlanta United did not get a shot on goal. It only had one shot in the game, which tied a franchise record low. The zero shots on goal also tied a franchise record low, and losing two to nothing to set up this make or break situation. We have had some news in the past few days. Yorgi Shakamakis was named the MLS Newcomer of the Year today. Tiago Almada was named the Young Player of the Year. And here's Pineda reacting to Tiago winning his second major award, the first, of course, last year. He was named Newcomer of the Year. Very happy, very happy to uh, for him. Uh, I think he deserved it. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's a recognition not just for him, but for the whole team uh, that's been uh, very good, very consistent. And the whole team helped Tiago, helped Yaku to receive those individual awards. It's great to everyone, actually, but I think those two individually have been very, very good. 
Nice words from Pineda talking about Almada. 11 goals, league high 19 assists for the player this year. And here's Coach talking about the game one recap. The, the question actually was about how having Tiago back, he of course had to miss game one. He had received two yellow cards on decision day against Cincinnati, which forced a suspension from him in game one. I asked Pineda how having Almada back is going to help that struggling offense. He kind of rambled for a bit about game one before he got into his answer. I think we, we got into good areas in certain moments. I think Premacy Sons, we got the same amount as Columbus. It was hard for Columbus as well to get clear chances if it is not for some of the set pieces in the first half. They didn't, have, they didn't create too much. Two goals came out of transition moments. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was worse, I think, because it was closer to our goal, individual defending inside mm-hmm. the box. Uh, but uh, I don't think also they create a lot. Uh, so I understand the shots on goal, and that's a stat that isolated from the whole game looks bad, but I think it was defensively not a bad game. We were denying many chances for them. Uh, I think it's one of the uh, less expected goals for Columbus at, at their house uh, in the whole season. So I think defensively we did some good things. Uh, of course, I'm happy with the two goals we conceded. But also, then on the other side of the ball, offensively, I think we were lacking the final pass, the final touch, a couple more connections. There are a couple half chances that we created that we couldn't finalize, especially in the first half, one very good ball from Tristan to to Gigi inside the box. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, Shandy has the opportunity to to shoot with the left foot. After that, an inverted cross that Brooks was completely free. We connect that one. It was a clear chance on goal. A couple of those that I think we, we were lacking in that little final pass. And coming back to your question, that's where Thiago can help. <laughs> Not just him individually, but also how he can uh, connect with others to make them uh, also boost their own individual performances. So I think uh, he's going to be pivotal for for that part of the field being creative and, and, and having more punch on the, on the attack. And then Pineda was full of confidence today. It was a few different answers. He talked about how the team is going to attack. The team hopes that it can send its energy to the fans instead of needing energy from the fans. Uh, he's very, very confident. And here's his conversation with, I think it was Jason, on having a must-win game strategy. We have to put the best of the best that we have on the field, regardless of the opponent, of the, of, of the lineup that I choose or the formation. We have to give the best. And uh, it's a must-win game for sure. You have to win to go through or to, to earn the third game. Uh, we're at home and, and we need to come back to being us at home. I think throughout the year we have played fantastic mm-hmm. games at home, electric games with a lot of energy. We need that type of performance tomorrow uh, to succeed. We got to speak to Tiago. This is the first time in a few weeks we've gotten to speak to him. And here's Almada talking about winning the award. I'm happy. I think it's an award that shows the the work that I've put in and what I've accomplished during the season. Uh, but as I've always said, uh, the most important thing is, is the team. Um, so uh, we're, we're focused on that, and I'm very grateful for, for all my teammates. And then how the team can improve after its offense in game one wasn't that great. Um, and, you know, we heard what Pineda had to say, but really it comes down to the fact that it was one shot, not on goal, only one chance created in the game. That was TRE late in the second half. I can remember during the game, Jay Fortune 
taking a shot and asking myself, wait, is that the first shot Atlanta United has had? And so I went and looked at the stats, sure enough. So having Almada, you know, Pineda is right. The team did not move the ball fast enough on offense. It had a couple of chances in game one to either put Brooks Lennon into space or put Caleb Wiley into space, and the trigger just wasn't pulled. Typically, it was Shande Silva who was trying to, to do that, and it, it just wasn't happening for whatever reason. It's not all on, on John Day. There's a thousand different factors that go into it. But having Almada back, who is very used to seeing passes that others can't see, but he has the skill to pull them off, is going to be crucial to Atlanta United. The thing that Atlanta United cannot do is it cannot get caught with numbers upfield. It cannot get caught at, with a three-on-two counter. That's how Columbus scored that first goal in game one. Atlanta United had frustrated the crew. For the first 30 minutes, they only got a couple of shots off. And then there was a turnover. Atlanta United turned over the ball in Columbus's end of the field, and in two passes, Columbus was on top of Atlanta United's goal. Cucho scored. That cannot happen again on Tuesday. We got to uh, speak with Jay Fortune. Uh, he's a homegrown product. He started game one, performed pretty well, all things considered. Here's Jay talking about game two. For us, we know we, we it's a must win. And for that, you know, we just got to create some chances. Um, I think that was the one thing we were missing in the game. I think, um, you know, we created a couple more chances. It's a different game. And also, too, it's just managing the moments of the game a little bit better. Uh, as a team, I think we could have done that a little bit better. You know, if we go into the half nil-nil, um, maybe it's a different second half we come out to. But I think that's one, as a team, we all look back and, and we say, you know, that's something we should improve on and try and, you know, do better for the second, for the second game. And then I was curious, was you know, Atlanta United's problems on offense more what Columbus was doing or more what Atlanta United was not doing? It's it's a mix of both. I mean, we, we're a team that we have a lot of creative players and also, too, you know, we were missing Thiago, which which is a big miss. But I think, you know, if it's it's very easy to stand here and say Columbus, we're, we're doing this, that, and the other. But I think we're a team that, you know, we we reflect on how we do and we know that we could be better. So I think it's... One thing that we'll go, we'll look at, we'll try and be better ourselves because it's we could expect something similar for the second game and we have to find ways to disrupt it. And then I was also curious if the formation change that Pineda made for game one, three center backs, two wing backs, three midfielders, Jean de Silva playing underneath Yakamakis, contributed to the offense's issues. When you're comfortable in a certain formation, you know, it's very easy to uh, to adapt to it. And, you know, there was, there was a change, but I think, Going into it, uh, we we knew what the game plan was, and I think um, we we still could have been able to you know produce a little bit more with with what we had, just because like I said, the players we have and the brains we have as a team, you know, you, you could always try and do a little bit more. But um, it was it was obviously a little tough. Obviously, you know, you try and get a little more practice with it, and we'll see what happens with the next game. Based upon what Pineda said earlier, you're not going to see, I don't think, Atlanta United with three center backs again. I think they're going to go for it. It's going to be, I think, a track meet. And if Atlanta United can get that first goal early in the game, it's going to make a world of difference to the probability that it can force a game three on Sunday in Ohio at lower.com field. When we come back, I'm going to answer your email questions to drobersoN at ajc.com. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. You can get access to our e-paper, our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, comma, that's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. And I need to also mention, last week the AJC debuted a film about the history of rap in Atlanta uh, titled The South's Got Something to Say. It's I, I've watched the preview. I've watched bits and parts of it. It is fantastic. It, it's so, so good. And I know a lot of Atlanta United supporters love Atlanta rap. If you don't know the history of rap in Atlanta, please, please, please consider subscribing so you can watch that film. Three months of unlimited digital access. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. All right. We didn't get any voicemail questions. That's 404-526-AJCP. We really didn't get a whole lot of questions at all, and I kind of get it. The season is grinding down. There's not a whole lot left to say. It's, you know, most of the games that Atlanta United plays, it's, it's kind of the same game over and over and over again. It's just... Depends on a couple of breaks here or there, whether Atlanta United wins or loses. It's kind of hard to come up with new topics at this point. Um, We'll see what happens on Tuesday. We're going to have a podcast on Wednesday wrapping it up. And depending upon the outcome of Tuesday's game, we'll come back with some season-ending podcasts or one season-ending podcast. So keep in mind some questions that you want answered. And I'll do my best. We're going to start with Chris. Doug, is there any hope of keeping Almada for another season? Uh, you know, this has been asked and answered a few times, but I'll, I'll go over it again. The It's a really interesting situation. Almada is clearly one of the best, if not the best player in Major League Soccer. He just won Young Player of the Year. Last year, he won Newcomer of the Year. He's a finalist or MVP. Lucho Costa is, is going to win MVP. There's no doubt in my mind about that, but it, it's a a compliment to Almada that he finished top three. But we don't hear any bona fide reports of clubs in Europe making legitimate offers or expressing legitimate interest in Almada. We get things like on the radar or uh, made an inquiry, but no real offers. Now, there's, you know, there's different theories on that. Part of it has to do with Almada's size. He's not the biggest dude. And when you're playing in the middle of the pitch and you're not the biggest dude, that can be tough. Um, but Almada's quick. I, I think physically he's he's as tough as he needs to be. But when you're playing, you know, Premier League or, or Bundesliga, some physical leagues, it could take a toll on you. 
Almada doesn't really have a whole lot of risk of injury, so that shouldn't be a thing. But when you start going through the leagues that you think Almada would excel in and then the teams that can spend what is expected to be $30 million, you know, I've done the math on this before. It's really 10 clubs in Europe that that Almada could go to. There's always some wild card clubs. And if they don't have a need, then you could see Almada still here in 2024. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Atlanta United is going to have another DP slot because they can buy down Soba Lupchenitze. They can add some more attacking talent around Almada, really continue to, to strengthen his spot as the centerpiece of the team and the offense. He's getting called into Argentina national team while he's in major league soccer. So that shouldn't be that big of a worry for him. I guess it's always a worry when your national team is as stacked as Argentina's, but right now it's not holding him back. So we'll see on to Sean who he actually asked this question last week, but he asked it right before, uh, right at the end of, of the taping of the podcast. So I held it over. There's another one also in that regard that I simply forgot. That one was on me. But Sean says, at this point, who do we keep from this roster? What seemed promising has now evaporated. Well, we know of a couple of players whose contracts are up and who are likely not coming back. Miles Robinson is one. Mateus Huzetu is one. Uh, Jackson Conway, the team has an option. Don't see him coming back. Uh, don't see Osvaldo Alonso coming back. Uh, Q Quentin Westerberg's contract is up. Don't see him coming back. Uh, it would be, I would be shocked if you see Franco Obara and Santiago Sosa back, but the team has to find someone who can either buy them or trade for them. Uh, I don't think Derek Etienne is going to come back at that salary and the years on this contract. He's really fallen far down the pecking order. So those are the players that will not be coming back. Jury's still out on Almada. Uh, don't know what's going to happen in the offseason with Caleb Wiley. I think he's pretty sought after, or not pretty sought after. There are, again, inquiries about Wiley. Um, an inquiry could be anything such as a team just simply calling Carlos and saying, hey, are you all interested in selling? Or, hey, what's his value? Or, or hey, we like this guy. At some point, we may make an offer. But it's just, it's like window shopping. It's like, you know, when you drive by a Mercedes lot or you drive by a, a Rolls Royce lot, you look at the cars and go, yeah. Or you call up Auto Trader to look at antique Mustangs, which is what I like to do, and kind of go, ooh, that would be nice. That kind of a thing. Emilio, not with a question so much as a hope. If we lose tomorrow, I want to know from Pineda, what have you learned from this year from a managerial perspective that you may not have realized from previous experiences? That's a really good question. He says, I'm not a Pineda out, but I don't see improvement in the past two years, regardless of personnel. I think he should be evaluated from a window to window basis. That's kind of tough. The front office also needs to think if he's done enough to be renewed, thinks and have a good day. Well, he doesn't have to be renewed. His contract is through next year and then there are club options after that. But it is a good question, and I hope to remember to ask that uh, whenever we get to the appropriate place in the season. On to Adam. This was the question that was sent in that um, I simply just missed. He says, I thought Tony Miola on commentary made the telling observation about how coach Columbus coach Wilfred Nancy has the crew playing great committed team defense. Their work rate in recovery was outstanding, but their spacing and roles in team defense stood in contrast to Atlanta's seeming desperate scrambling. 
Did it read this way to you? Does this roster have the means to play that way? I thought through the first 40 minutes in game one, lining out his defense was pretty solid. Columbus did not have a shot until Darlington Nagby uh, put one uh, over the goal, I think the 16th or 17th minute. And then something interesting happened in that game. There was, if you remember, an injury to Matan. It was a long injury kind of timeout. And after that, Columbus really started to be able to get into Atlanta's box. It took like three shots in three minutes from the 29th through the 33rd minute. That might have been Dagby's first shot was the 29th minute, something like that. But Columbus suddenly unlocked Atlanta United's formation. I did ask Cosetto last week if he saw any kind of tactical change, strategic change by Columbus after that injury timeout. And he said no. Um, I'd have to go back and rewatch that part of the game to see if, if I noticed any change because Columbus had the advantage. Nancy had a couple of players over, was talking to them. They could have made some tweaks that enabled them to kind of get through the middle of it, lining out his defense or around it, lining out his defense so that it could start getting those shots off. But when it lining out, it plays in the back four. It's got it to, on Tuesday. It's going to have to play some sort of committed communicative defense because it's got to bomb for it's got to bomb players forward it's got to score especially after not putting a shot on goal in game one to win to get those numbers forward the guys who are staying back have to know their spaces have to know their assignments and have to be talking in case columbus can create a turnover and mount a counter having now seen this matchup twice in the last three games what do you do differently for tuesday are you playing three or four at the back coffee sip I think Pineda's got to play two center backs, two fullbacks. Um, they got to score. I would rather go out guns blazing, I guess, than to play defensively again. Atlanta United has tried to play with the ball twice against Columbus and gotten beat badly 6-1, to one, had a 1-1 one, one draw. Just tried to play defensively against Columbus, lost 2-0. Now it's a make or break. So you can either go ultra-defensive or you can go ultra-offensive, and Atlanta United is not built to be ultra-defensive. So it's got to go out guns blazing, bombing the fullbacks forward, let Miles Robinson become a one-man counterattack breaker-upper like in 2019, and we'll see what happens. Adam continues, as a possible preview of 2024 without Almada, did you learn anything in game one or were the circumstances too unique? No, I didn't learn anything but I appreciate the question. And now time for our question of the week from Michael. Of course, Reese's peanut butter cups are the best candies in the world. Duh. But which kind? And Michael breaks this down. You got your normal two packs. You got the minis and you have the specialty holiday shapes, such as the Easter bunnies, Easter eggs, Christmas trees, Santa's jack-o'-lanterns, etc. He suggests that the two-pack Easter egg Reese's cups are vastly superior owning to the higher-than-average ratio of peanut butter filling to chocolate. Do I agree? That is a good call, Michael. But for me, the best is the whole daggum bag. That is the best Reese's Peanut Butter Cup formation for me. That is what I say. And I also need to point out that I was watching... This drove me crazy, and I tweeted about it. But I would love to hear y'all's take on this. So when I watch football games, many analysts absolutely drive me crazy because it's just 
a lot of jargon, a lot of coach speak, a lot of cliches, a lot of the same thing you hear from channel to channel, uh, no matter if it's a Mac game on a Wednesday or a Tuesday to an NFL game on Sunday night, just the same phrasing over and over again. Or just kind of phrasing that I think it's supposed to be like signify some sort of professionalism or intelligence, but comes off as just really weird. And that happened on Sunday. The phrase was, the pass was made because of good foot energy. I put it on Twitter. I still have no idea what good foot energy is. I really have no idea. It seems to me like it's one of those silly coach phrases like good eye discipline instead of just he knows where the ball is or he follows the ball. So as you hear just nonsensical but stuffy phrases on sports, send them my way. I'll read about on the podcast and we can try to make sense of them. Please remember to tell your friends about our show. Please give us a rating and a review on Spotify and Apple. This helps us grow the podcast. We're going to come back on Wednesday, wrapping up game two. It may be the final game of Atlanta United season. They may have at least one more to go. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thanks for listening to Southern Fried Soccer. Y'all take care.